We've got some things in egg country to talk about, packing plant monopolies, a controversial BLM decision granting American Prairie, uh, formerly American Prairie Reserve, their request and potential criminal charges in, in a hay scam dating back to last summer's drought. That is with Montana Attorney General Austin Knutson. We caught up with him as he was traveling through on Friday, but uh, there, there's just a lot of stuff that's pertinent to talk about here. I'll have to explain it, um, but I'm running out of time because I got to get this segment in. You're going to hear Eric Young, our news producer, newsman, and and then also Andy Schwab, who's an egg broadcaster, as we uh, ganged up on the attorney general. But as I said uh, in the uh, interview, he's pretty scrappy. Um, he can handle it. It was a good interview, and uh, it starts off uh, basically with the question that, uh, again, recognizing the horrible crime uh, regarding trafficking, we're putting some resources into it. I think we're seeing some things now, uh, you know, in, in prevention and enforcement, and I believe that's moving the ball forward. I tell people I think human trafficking has always been in Montana uh, because it absolutely is. I mean, that's one thing I think a lot of Montanans don't really understand. This don't is happening here in Montana. This isn't a big city problem. This isn't a California or Arizona problem. It's happening here in Montana. And when we're talking about human trafficking, I mean, we're lots of times talking about just sexual slavery. That that That's what we're dealing with here. It's not a nice topic, but it's happening, and we need to know what it looks like and how to deal with it. So I think you're right. We've been doing a really good job of educating the public, educating law enforcement. Uh, surprisingly, until I took office, Montana Law Enforcement Academy cadets weren't getting comprehensive training on human trafficking and what it looks like, what are the signs. That's now happening uh, since I've taken over the Law Enforcement Academy. The Highway Patrol, same thing. They had never received any kind of formal training on human trafficking. We've now implemented that. Every trooper in Montana has had that training, even clear up to the command staff, uh, which has been really interesting to, to, to see 20, 30-year veterans of the Highway Patrol who've now had this training go, oh, man, I can remember a traffic stop back 25 years ago. And had I known now, had I known then what I know now, I think that probably was a human trafficking victim. I just didn't know what I was looking at. And I think that's the case for a lot of Montanans. I think most people in Montana, you've probably seen a human trafficking victim and just didn't know what you were looking at. And you guys are doing a a number of these human trafficking forums. What do you want local people, law enforcement, public to take away from that? And what do you take away from that? Well, we're trying to facilitate meetings for for these folks. What we found here is that there is a really, really rich group of, of nonprofits and charities and task forces in Montana trying to tackle human trafficking. And every one of them is doing something a little different. And it, it's great. It's fantastic. We've got some just wonderful, wonderful people in the state working on this problem. But what we found is that none of them had ever gotten together. And so we started hosting these symposiums. Uh, we hosted our first one in Helena at the Law Enforcement Academy back in November and brought them all together, got them in a room, and just let them get together, network, socialize. And it was fantastic because they found out, oh, well, we can coordinate on this. You, you do that? Well, we do this over here. We should get together. Um, huge success. So we're trying to facilitate more of that. We did another one of these hearings just yesterday, not a hearing, meeting, um, here in Billings. Very well attended, good input, great groups. Um, again, just trying to get awareness out there and get these folks working together and hopefully pooling resources. Newsman Eric Young. And, yeah, with that said, sort of segueing a little bit, uh, one issue that uh, has gotten a lot more attention in recent years is a uh, 
missing and murdered indigenous women. And if I believe you're meeting next week, your task force is to discuss that. What sort of progress has been made in regards to that in uh, recent years? You, you bet. Yeah, a, a, a big issue, and, and the Montana legislature has made that one a priority, and, and they've put a lot of that in into my shop at the Department of Justice. You know, one really fascinating thing about the issue of, of MMIW and MMIP, missing and murdered indigenous people, is the lack of data that's really ever been collected in any of the states. And that was kind of shocking to us. Uh, there, there, nobody had ever done a really comprehensive data collection study, hard numbers, hard data that just didn't exist. Um, so in the last really two years, the Department of Justice and specifically uh, the, the Division of Criminal Investigation, they've really drilled down and collected a lot of data. And we've learned some really interesting things. What, what we found here in Montana is it's not just missing and murdered indigenous women. We tend to talk mostly about the women and the girls, and I think they, they, they that that definitely is a focus. But what we found with looking at the data is it's actually fairly close to half and half, tribal males and females that go missing. The other thing that we found out, interestingly, is that oftentimes with that tribal population, a lot of them will go missing but then end up showing back up. That's a data point that we didn't have, and, and no one really understood What's going on there? I, I don't think we still probably understand all the way, but that that's an interesting data point that we didn't know existed. So even just preliminarily collecting the data, knowing what's actually happening here and, and what demographics we're dealing with, I, I think that's a really crucial first start. I mean, honestly, we're kind of a national trailblazer, Montana is, as far as our approach to this. We've certainly got some jurisdictional issues. I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring those up. I mean, legally, the state of Montana... We have no authority to enforce state human trafficking laws on the reservations against tribal members. We, we just don't. We, we have no legal ability to go in there and send police or send a prosecutor. So relationships in that sphere are really key. We have to work with the feds. We have to work with, with the FBI. We have to work with tribal, tribal government, tribal police, tribal prosecutors. Sometimes that goes well. Sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. And I know that just from my own experience working in, on, on Fort Peck as the county attorney. But a really, really important issue, I, it's not going away. It's one that the legislature is is very, very keen on doing something about, and, and, and we're trying to do everything we can at the DOJ. So in addition to what you just mentioned there, uh, what is the uh, task force going to uh, – what are they going to discuss uh, next week at the meeting? Because it's a pretty – it's only ever so often, Correct. Yeah, it's it, it meets about every six months. Um, now, I I will tell you, I don't control that that task force. I, I as the attorney general, the attorney general appoints the members, and then at that point, they kind of set their own agenda, legislative agenda. That's always a big one. You know, what what more can we be doing at the legislative at, at, at the state law level? Ju- the jurisdictional issues that that is always a, a big topic. You know, how how can we deal with that? How can we foster more cooperation? between the, the, the sovereign tribal nations and, and the state of Montana and, and the feds. I mean, frankly, when you're talking about Indian country, the federal government has a lot of authority. And like it or not, we have to we have to deal with them. We have to include them. Sometimes that goes really well, sometimes not. Uh, and, and that can be frustrating. But it, it, it's good to have them at the table and have them at least recognize this issue and, and want to be part of the solution. Montana Attorney General Austin Knudsen with us here. We're 
uh, kind of ganging up on him. We got more staff than he does, but he's scrappy, so um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be all right. Andy Schwab uh, joins us now as a Northern Egg broadcaster because there are a number of issues in your realm and in Andy's realm uh, to to go through here. Andy, one of the things that kind of come out recently, of course, is the the hay scandal or the hay scam coming out of Canada that's affected a lot of producers across the Treasure State. Uh, Attorney General, give us just kind of. Uh, I know some figures come out that $5 million is the potential number. Is that an accurate number, and how's that number been found? Yeah, so I, I think that $5 million is a fairly accurate number, at least at least based upon our investigation so far. I, I, I will say, Andy, this is an ongoing investigation, uh, but obviously we've we've released some data on it. We've, we've put this out there. Uh, we've certainly gotten this company's attention. I don't know if you guys got, got a letter from this lawyer, but but we certainly did as well. Uh, but look, we're, we're putting the facts out there and, and the facts are this. You know, I, I'm, I'm a former hay producer. I'm, I'm a former cattle producer. I, I understand this world somewhat. Uh, we know last year and, and, and going through this, this winter and even coming into the spring, there is a major feed shortage in this, in this state. Uh, I think we probably lost 40 to 50% of our cattle herd in, in the state this last year just because there's no way to feed them. So when you have a company come in, and put ads out and say, hey, we have feed, we have hay, give us a call, forward us your money. You know, I, I've dealt with enough enough hay brokers and hay jockeys just in my lifetime to know that that, that raises some red flags. Um, and that certainly was the case here. We, we have a number, a number of victims that, 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 are, that have reported this to the, the Office of Consumer Protection, which is housed within the Department of Justice. That's under my purview. Not a large shop, but I mean, this is what they do. When, when people are getting scammed in Montana, it's, it's my duty as the attorney general to, to take a look at that. And so we had a number, number of reports about this company, uh, this new way ag out of Canada. They had placed several ads. Uh, I think they had some advertisements online. I think 13 different counties is what we're up to so far. And, and everywhere from, you know, a couple of thousand dollars all the way up to we've had reports of, of six figures, you know, $100,000 plus contracts with this company for feed that they were not able to, to, to fill. Now, obviously on that company's side, uh, well, first of all, everyone's innocent until proven guilty in this country. You know, we, we have that presumption. Uh, and he's certainly lawyered up and they're claiming, you know, supply chain issues and, and COVID and trucking supply problems coming out of Canada, that, that very well may be. We're, we're, we're going to play this out, and we're going to see where this investigation goes. Uh, we have not filed any criminal charges yet, and, and we're going to keep investigating this. But look, when you've got Montana farmers and ranchers who are being scammed and it's costing them, like I said, upwards of, of six figures in some cases, that's going to get my attention. Uh, that that one irks me a lot. I've, I've been around that business long enough myself to know, what this looks like and, and uh, you know this 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 was a bad deal and and a potentially bad actor that we're going to keep going after here yeah you kind of hit on that exactly where you draw that line i mean 13 counties being affected that's huge well so like, far yeah absolutely well speaking of so far you guys have an opportunity or a, a website open for people to come to you with uh, more information if they have it we do yeah you, you can get on the department of justice's website the office of consumer protection you want to just pick up the phone, 406-444-4500, if you If you dealt with this company and, and you got scammed, you lost some money, uh, promises made, contracts not filled, 
give us a call because we are still invest, uh, investigating. Uh, we'd, we'd love to talk to you if, if any of your listeners out there were, were hit by this group. Montana Attorney General Austin Knutson here. We'll be back as there's more to talk. Uh, upcoming next will be a discussion regarding the American Prayer Reserve, a controversial BLM decision, um, and also to come to uh, the battle of the open and overrun border with Montana's Attorney General on Voices of Montana here in a bit. Today's been good. I'm getting there. People with mental health disorders who smoke can die 8 to 25 years earlier than the general population. No more sitting on the fence. It's time to quit smoking. Smoking can interfere with recovery and make psychiatric medicines less effective. The Quit Line can help for a happier and healthier tomorrow. Call the Montana Tobacco Quit Line today at 1-800-QUIT-NOW. That's 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Brought to you by the Montana Department of Public Health and Human Services. Going to continue on. Tom Schultz here with Montana Attorney General Austin Knutson. As I mentioned, we caught up with him on Friday and a lot of questions still real relevant here as we're uh, talking about these issues. Um, Andy Schwab from the Northern Ag Network and Eric Young, our producer here and also a news guy uh, in on this conversation. And uh, as we uh, continue on again, tape recorded earlier on Friday, here is Andy Schwab. Sticking on the agricultural side of things, of course, uh, the APR, or well now AP, American Prairie, um, recently uh, claimed Rebrand. victory. Rebrand. Yeah. <laughs> Rebrand, yeah. Recently claimed victory after a BLM announcement uh, to allow grazing proposals in six of the seven allotments that they were uh, hoping for. Um, I know this drew a lot of significant opposition through comments um, from ranchers and producers uh, that are going to be affected by this. Um, How's the AG office able to intervene here, and uh, is there a time frame? I know there's a comment period just ended, and there's a 30-day window that we're in right now, but how can AG office get in, intervene here? Yeah, well, we, we absolutely are, are going to get involved here, and, and this is a conversation we've had with the governor's office as well. We're, we're on the same sheet of music here. Look, we knew the BLM was going to do this. It's unfortunate they shouldn't because they're flagrantly violating federal law. Uh, but as with most things with the Biden administration, they just don't seem to much care about that or, or seem to much care about flyover country in, in middle America. You have to understand at its heart here, whether you agree with the Taylor Grazing Act or not, the Taylor Grazing Act is federal law. And it's been on the books for almost 100 years. And that federal law says on federal land, livestock grazing is priority. Period. And livestock is a defined term. We know what livestock means. Livestock means cattle. It means sheep. It means goats. You know what it doesn't mean? It doesn't mean buffalo. Buffalo is specifically excluded. It's not included in that livestock definition. So what did the BLM do to get around that? Well, they created a new term out of thin air. They're using the term indigenous livestock. They just invented this. Uh, very, very clever. So they're claiming that buffalo are indigenous livestock and because we the blm are calling them that we'll see there there now we comply with federal law flagrant abuse arbitrary capricious all those things that are violations of the administrative procedures act there was not a rulemaking there was not there was not any kind of process on that new definition uh so we've got a whole other administrative law claim on that one but look at the end of the day like i said we we knew they were going to do this uh, I, I think the die was cast. They waited till the dark of night. They waited, 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 waited before promulgating this rule to begin with. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the day, the state of Montana is going to sue the federal government over this. I, I, I think we're going to get a good result. I think this is a 
flagrant, flagrant violation of federal law. On behalf of all the producers, certainly huge thank you to, to your office and, and your consideration of that, that issue. Final one for me, congressional hearings in Washington, D.C., talking about livestock markets, talking about the Packers and Stockyards Act, the issues of consolidation from the big four meat packers. Of course, two years ago, a DOJ investigation was launched um, into these um, malpractices, if you will, um, and, and bad actors. Um, talk about anything that I know this is going to be kind of hot on your list to, to really dive into also. Absolutely. Uh, look, I, I grew up on a, on a family farm and ranch. I grew up raising registered Angus cattle. The, 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 the cattle industry is near and dear to my heart. A lot of my friends are still in that industry. A lot of my family is still involved in multiple facets of that industry. This is one that we've been tracking for a little while. Um, this, this is probably the next big thing I'm teeing up out of, out of my office and out of my consumer protection division, whether it comes out of there or whether it actually comes out of my civil bureau. Uh, we are very interested in what is going on with what appears to be the, mono- the monopolization, the ongoing monopoly within the packing industry. Uh, it, it, it does not take a degree in physics to be able to look and see we're having record prices for cattle that's not making it to our farmers and ranchers. Uh, their their costs are going up. They're not seeing those premium dollars that, that the packers are charging for, for meat products at the grocery store. Price of meat is through the roof. Uh, pound of hamburger, a T-bone steak, uh, we're all feeling it. You know who's not receiving any of those extra dollars are our farmers and ranchers. And that's a problem. And I, I think we absolutely have to look at this. So we're, we're, we're kind of gathering data right now within the Department of Justice. Uh, the Consumer Protection Division, I've, I've let them know that, that this is a priority for me and this is probably going to be our next big thing. We're, we're kind of in the middle of drafting some stuff for the American Prairie Reserve case. Obviously, this hay scan, that's a big one for, for OCP. Uh, but this, this packing thing, that, that, this one's definitely on the radar and, and is moving up the queue rapidly. Montana Attorney General Austin Knutson, as I said um, to him, he's kind of showing his production chops there. Grew up in eastern Montana and, um, and and still lives in that area. Uh, so we're going to continue on here. i got to catch an update from Brian Bennett. But up next is uh, Title 42 and also illegal immigration as it relates to uh, the harm that it's causing in Montana. And that relates to specifically uh, a large, large increase of uh, fentanyl confiscation, uh, probably even even more so running through our streets and into our neighborhoods. It's seriously, seriously dangerous. We'll have that conversation as we continue with Austin Knutson, Montana's Attorney General. It's Brad Molnar, State Senator, standing by as well as we'll get into CI-121 initiative, a, city, a constitutional initiative that would cap the growth of property taxes uh, in Montana. Um, that ahead. But right now, it's BB with headlines. This is Shane from Western Ranch Supply. The weather is finally nice. And let's be honest, you don't want to spend all your free time doing lawn work. That's why Western Ranch Supply is making life easier with the bad boy lineup of zero-turn mowers. These mowers rest on our all-steel, heavy-duty, cut-and-welded rails. And for the final touches, check out Western Ranch's Echo Line. From trimmers to blowers and a slew of other products, take the pain out of mowing this year. Head out to Western Ranch Supply and check out the bad boy zero-turn mowers. On Title 42 and this this huge open border battle that we're having, how it's affecting Montana. We've talked with Colonel Lavin recently uh, about the drugs that are flowing into not just Montana and how dangerous they are. Uh, what's next in this open border battle? 
Look, I tell people, and I, I, you've probably heard me say this before, Tom, I feel like we're treating a bleeding gunshot wound with a Band-Aid. You know, I can put more troopers on the highway. I can ask the legislature for more money, for more police, for, for more crime lab. That's all on the backside. We got to talk about prevention. How do we, how do we keep this, the, the, the fentanyl and the methamphetamine from getting into our state in the first place? Because I don't have the authority to stop every car that comes across the state border. Uh, and frankly, you wouldn't want me to have that authority. The federal government does have the authority to control the southern border. And we know that's where 100% of these drugs in Montana are coming from. And you're right. It's not just Montana. Uh, I'm, a lot of my neighbor states, I stay in contact with the AGs and, and my, my counterparts. They're all fi- feeling the same thing. We're all dealing with the same crime problem, the same drug problem, the fentanyl overdoses, shortage of Narcan. Um, that, that, that's becoming a thing. That's why we're pushing back so hard on the Biden administration, because that's that's the only club I have in my bag here is to sue the administration to follow federal law. We're not asking for new laws. We're not asking them to do something that hasn't been done in the past. We're asking them to actually follow existing federal immigration law that they're just patently ignoring. I mean, it's a lot like the APR thing we were just talking about. There's laws in the books that says thou shalt federal government and the federal government is just ignoring it. They're, they're promulgating their own rules. I think there are definitely major political implications here. Uh, it's, it, it's a matter of policy for them. Um, but for whatever reason, they have just decided to fling the gates wide open on the southern border, and we are paying the price for it up here, Tom. We we are seeing I, – I, two years ago, our state DCI, I think we had two fentanyl investigations, two. And this year – well, this last year, in 2021, I mean, that number – I think the number is 1,200% increase. And that sounds like a lot, at, you know, that going from two up to – I think we were close to 70 – Fentanyl investigations, uh, but that just tells you the trend that we're on. Fentanyl deaths are up. Uh, fentanyl deaths, like confirmed fentanyl deaths from the Montana State Crime Lab, they've gone up a thousand plus percent. Uh, this is absolutely the biggest crisis facing our state, and I have to point the finger at the gatekeeper of the southern border because, again, we know where this is coming from. The cartels are manufacturing all of this poison, and they are they're, they're mass producing it and they're sending it up here. And, and it's in Montana within a couple of days. So that that's why we're pushing so hard on Title 42, uh, on, on the border stuff. I mean, multiple, multiple lawsuits. I know that many feel that's such a misguided policy uh, there. And the consequences, uh, I know there's merit in a legal immigration system. Absolutely. But you look at all the consequences because of this. And I think it's a very, very uh, serious situation. So I appreciate your concentration on it. There was a certain amount of closure, maybe for me personally. I, I think that probably extends to all law enforcement in Montana. Um, I know the Moore family had some closure, but you go back four years, and we're talking about um, uh, Broadwater County uh, Deputy Mason Moore, um, who was killed in the line of duty uh, by by two men who were they're violent, violent offenders. There was some closure on that recently, Austin. How, how, does, how do your law enforcement officers feel about it? You know, one of the great things about Montana, Tom, is that we support law enforcement. We never got on the defund the police train, all that garbage coming off of the coastal cities and, and some of the real urban areas. Uh, we just, we don't cotton to that here. We, we, we just don't do it. Uh, and it's actually been a great recruitment tool for us. We've got a lot of law enforcement moving to Montana from other unfriendly states and we're, we're reaping that benefit. 
But yeah, as you said, uh, obviously we had a couple of really, really evil men come into our state a couple of years ago, uh, not from here. They were passing through. They were on our uh, on our interstate system over in Broadwater County, and they decided they want to get into a shootout with a cop, a father and a son. Uh, just a, a level of evil that I don't think most of us can really even fathom. Uh, in the course of that, Deputy Moore was was ambushed, really, uh, shot and killed him. And there was a there was a high speed pursuit, obviously all over western Montana. Uh, one of those evil men was shot and killed by our law enforcement, in which I'm I'm glad for it. Justified, absolutely justified, and and saved us some some time and some heartache there for for the Moore family. Uh, the father of that duo, Lloyd Lloyd Barris, he was apprehended. Uh, Incarcerated. We we obviously had a long drawn out court process. He tried to claim insanity. Uh, there was the whole process of sending him to Warm Springs, having him evaluated. He was found fit to stand trial, I, I think correctly. Uh, and just here a couple of months ago, we we got a great verdict uh, at, at the district court level. He was found guilty. Uh, then the sentencing phase came, and he was just recently sentenced here about a week and a half ago. He was sentenced to to life in prison. Uh, so that evil, evil man is going to spend the rest of his days in a dark cell in, in Deer Lodge. Uh, frankly, still a little better than he deserves, I think, which is a whole discussion we can have about the death penalty in Montana and, and whether that's appropriate. But uh, yeah, at, at least some good closure for Deputy Moore's family uh, and for his brothers and sisters in law enforcement. Really. Did you speak with them? I have not spoken to De- De- Deputy Deputy Moore's family personally. Um I, I've spoken with a lot of law enforcement who are watching this one very closely. Um, and, and I mean, obviously, we're all really pleased. I, I have to give kudos to the Department of Justice's Prosecution Services Bureau. Uh, that was that was kind of my elite criminal prosecutors that came in and they, they prosecuted that case. They, they took they took Lloyd Barris to trial, uh, along with Broadwater County Attorney Corey Swanson, a friend of mine. Uh, it was a team effort, but just got a got a really, really good result in that case. So yeah. very proud there. Well, and again, a pat on the back to all our law enforcement. Uh, we say that frequently, but um, when you when you go out and, and you're talking with them, you know, I, I want them to know that we support um, their mission. Absolutely. Uh, um, so I always, almost always ask you, you know, when was the last time you got back? And I, and I know you're, it's such a busy schedule. I'm just going to put it this way. When was the last time you were on a horse, Austin? Oh boy, it's been a while since I've thrown a leg over a pony. Um, it's it's been all of a year and a half since I got to got got to uh, be on a horse. Usually, I try to go home for our our annual Culbertson Saddle Club Labor Day wagon train. Still a member of the saddle club up there, and was was a member on the board before I had to go to Helena for a little while. This this little thing I got. Um, it, we we didn't have the wagon train last year due to COVID, so. COVID and, and, frankly, fire concerns. It was oh, yeah. very, very dry back home in eastern Montana. And, you know, you got wagons on the trail, and, and it, it's just a recipe for, for disaster. Right. So we ended up not doing the wagon train last year. But, yeah, I think that was the last time I was on a horse. It's 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 been a little while. I'm I'm a little itchy. I'm tracking you then, okay? Yeah. yeah. Okay, just, fair enough. Just as a friendly reminder, <laughs> yeah. Austin, thank you for stopping by. I appreciate that. You bet. Much. Thanks yeah. for having me, gentlemen. I appreciate it. That's Montana Attorney General Austin Knutson, as I mentioned, uh, recorded earlier, stopped by Friday. They uh, had things all kind of planned for Friday and also on, on Monday. Uh, but real relative, really good information and good to hear from Montana's uh, top law enforcement officer.